Welcome to part two of our 80s sci-fi kids movie special on the Spoiler Room. Make sure you check out part one and absolutely make sure you check out the interview we did with Catherine Mary Stewart, a.k.a. Maggie, from The Last Starfighter. Some great episodes and some great conversation now as we talk about Explorers and Flight of the Navigator. This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. The next film I want to talk about, which was in 85, (laughs) uh, is a film brought to us by one of our, probably a lot of our favorite director, uh, Joe Dante, and it's called Explorers. Now, Explorers is, uh, it's got big names in here. If you weren't aware, you've got Mr. Ethan Hawke, who before he was doing Boyhood. In this film, he's got his own Boyhood, where he is a boy named Ben Crandall, who's obsessed with aliens, who starts dreaming of circuit boards. And his buddy, Wolfgang, played by River Phoenix, helps him design this uh, circuit board. And along with another friend, Darren, they end up designing a spaceship that takes them to outer space. <laughs> Glenn Explorers, your thought on this film? Uh, how much would you pay for a film like this? Fifty dollars? One hundred dollars? Yeah, uh, I had I had completely forgotten this movie. So when we picked it, I'm like, I don't think I've seen this movie. Mm-hmm. And I started watching it, and the whole beginning part, I'm watching, I'm like, nothing's clicking with me. I don't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the alien shows up, I'm like, mm-hmm. I remember this <laughs> thing now. Yeah, um, yeah, this was definitely different. Um. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's an out there for this type of film during that time. It's out there. Yeah, it is. And and being older now, looking back on it, the uh, the whole the whole aspect that you know these aliens, their only their only real knowledge of us is from TV. Um, which uh, when when I when I was watching rewatching it, I'm seeing that, and it made me think of uh, another. Great '80s classic, Flash Gordon. Yeah, mm-hmm. where uh, where Ming makes a comment of how you know we just kind of like throw ourselves out into space. It's kind of what we do with our TV. We just throw our TV signals out there. And I'm thinking of all the if there are aliens out there, that's what they that's what they know of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those poor people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we are a noisy planet. <laughs> And it, but yeah, this one out of all the ones were, it's just, it boggles my mind. And uh, Brad, your thoughts on Explorers? This one really is just different. <laughs> you know, um, we're kind of going in order to to my le- my my most favorite to least favorite films. Sure. And <laughs> Explorers, you know, the thing about Explorers, um, at the heart of it, it's the relationship of parents with their children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, even when you get to the to towards the end of the film, and like the the two kid aliens and this this huge alien shows up, and 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 Darren's like, eh, that's that's the dad. Yeah, you know, um, you get to see Wolfgang's dad, who's also an inventor. You get to you get to hear Darren's dad, who seems to be an overbearing kind of guy. Um, uh. You know that that was the thing that always kind of s- struck home with me is 
is that portion of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the fantastical elements of, of having that circuit beamed into, uh, into Ethan Hawke's character's head. <laughs> um, kind of flimsy. Another use of 3D, um, uh -huh. which, is, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's sad that the film didn't do that well in, in the box office. But, yeah. you know, for my money... Thunder Road is probably one of my favorite kid-made uh, space vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's really cool, made out of a tilt-a-whirl and stuff. That I love uh, the design of that ship. The other thing that I hope nobody glossed over was the fact that that one the one older guy, and I'm trying to remember uh, Dick, uh, Charlie Dake, uh, played by Dick Miller. Yes, um, he was also. He was he was Ben Crandall uh, years before. He had had that beamed into his head, um, and he just didn't either know the right people or just wasn't able to, to make that thing happen. So uh -huh. um, I thought that that was really kind of a fascinating thing that um, kind of added a little bit more weight and made the film a little bit more, more interesting, that it's an ongoing thing, this, right. this contact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, those are the main main things yeah. that really kind of resonated yeah. with me. But God, I, I wanted Thunder Road. I still, <laughs> I know, I still, I still do. On on that note, Brad, that, that the part of me wonders is, was it those same alien kids? Was it possibly like their dad, who tried contacting him all those years before? Yeah. Ah. It's something ah, I yeah. thought about. I'm like, I'm like, you know, and 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 his kids now stumbled upon the same stuff that he used to transmit. That and then they did the same thing. Right. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah, because yeah. the dad wasn't didn't seem too surprised that humans were there. He seemed just more pissed off. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because the kids took his car without asking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing and, too, and we're engaging in interspecies relations. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it was on. It was on. Uh, <laughs> Bye, bye. <laughs> um, it really kind of felt like they were gearing up to make sequels. Yes, oh, you know, know, with with the end of the film, you know, with the more enhanced circuit being beamed mm -hmm. into their brains uh, to to do something bigger and better, um, and then the addition of of the fourth explorer. Ben's um, yes. now girlfriend. <laughs> you know, it, it really seemed like they were, were gearing up to do something more, and it's a shame yes. that uh, it never really happened. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, you mentioned the girlfriend, so I, I want to go right to Dawn because Dawn mentioned something to me while she was watching this, so I wanted to get her. Oh, Dawn, I, I did not like Dawn, movie. your thoughts with Explorers. No, go. I, I really did not connect with this movie and it was specifically that end with the addition of the girlfriend that really tweaked me the worst mm -hmm. um this is there are definite good aspects to the movie um which you've mentioned but this movie was definitely targeted at boys <laughs> and the only reason the girl was added as an explorer was because the boy wanted her. She was his prize for getting into outer space. And, oh, my God. 
You know, I didn't really think about that till you brought it up, but now you look at it, he doesn't win the girl until he goes into outer space and she starts getting and, the signal. And he projects, he sends that projection into her brain. That's how uh-huh. he wins her. <laughs> yeah, I, I picked up on that this last time watching where I'm, I'm watching I'm going, so he just knocked all the ball, all the, the uh, bottles down with the ball, and he wins this prize. Here you go. Talk about he a went big to space. Boom. Here's here's a character we didn't really develop at all. You got to look oh. at her through a window, and she got to look concerned when he got beat up. That's all the development she had up until then. <laughs> they were trying well, to the pan ending. That's what they're trying to do. Well, you know, they were trying to go in kind of for that Peter Pan feel. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, saying, and th- that that's actually those are all valid points and everything. Uh, I think that, and I, and of course, this is just a guess. I can't say this with any authority. I don't think any of us can. But um, they might have had more in store for the character. This film was not supposed to be released in July of 1985. This film was supposed mm-hmm. to. This film had months and months and months to go, uh, and there's apparently a lot of footage that's left on the cutting room floor. It may have been, but again, I, you can't say it for sure. You, it may have been a possibility that she was more developed before mm-hmm. the studio basically took the movie away from Joe Dante and says, you know what, Spielberg-type movies are really big and going to be this big this summer. We're going to have Back to the Future. We're going to have Goonies. We're going to have all this stuff. We like one, too. We've got a movie. It's called <laughs> Daryl. It's not very good. Um, so, <laughs> we're going to take this movie, and this is just, they, they just took the movie away from him, so he never got to do his cut, and he, there's apparently a ton of footage. I almost want to see that, that there's something, because there are certain uh, parental roles. Like, for instance, uh, for instance, Wolfgang's parents, they are as eccentric as ever, but then you have Ethan Hawke, who makes the... Uh, uh, the offhanded comment to uh, Darren there or whatever mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. What I'm sorry, what yep, you're, yeah, you're. Yeah. And um, he's they, he says, oh, yeah, my parents they get along okay, I guess, but they just talk about the stupidest things." You know, it's <laughs> like one of those things. Like, yeah, you start <laughs> focusing on adulthood. You stop like you stop exploring the idea. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this kind of had the promise towards the end that the exploration would actually go on. Sure. Throughout their lives, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you want to share that with the people you care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say for sure whether it this the whether the storyline ever stopped being creepy. Mm-hmm. I'd like to believe it did. The, the director uh, it, even it might said, be wishful thinking. Yeah. Oh well, no. I think you're right because the director said in one of his interviews that the movie could have gone in two different directions. And and based on the amount of shots that they actually did do, uh, and because they didn't have any effect shots done, and because the movie was taken away from him, they basically cut it, and they did a lot of looping uh, mm-hmm. of of scenes, and so they ended up getting this this movie that was really not that completed. Like mm-hmm. the whole third act wasn't even developed. <laughs> and and it kind of feels that way. And I mean you. Not only that, there's just the creep. There, there is a Don brought it up, and and thank you, Don, for bringing it up. I mean, this film wasn't creepy already for me, and then you, and then you brought up this this angle, and then I was looking at it more as I was watching it. And then, no, I meant that in a good way because I was catching things like, 
the whole creepy stalker vibe of, hey, stick me in a bubble, and I'm going to stare at her through a window. That is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, even, I even reviewed this a couple of years ago, and I said, that, that scene does play a bit creepy, yeah. That, that, scene, <laughs> that just... in addition to that psychic roofie, it just killed me. <laughs> it just, that was it. Oh. <laughs> you're worse than you guys are getting worse than Michael Bay for destroying my childhood. Come on, <laughs> don't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm, we're not saying it's a bad film, but you can tell there's issues with it, and it, now it makes more sense when you talk about how it was taken away from Joe Dante because it it really seems a little clunky, for lack of a better term. I think um, the, I think the third act is clunky. You yes, know? it is. Uh, for me, the first I, – I mean, I actually love the first two-thirds of Explorer, and this is the one film that I didn't get yeah. to see in theaters. I was begging to see Explorers in theaters, and this actually – I was mentioning the Spielberg thing. It started as a Spielberg production, and then it just wasn't, right. and it should have stayed there because he would have probably treated Dante with a little more respect if Spielberg's name was attached to it. But um, the um, – <sighs> The first, like, two-thirds, I love the bits of them getting to know each other and talking about their dreams and, you know, mm-hmm. building this uh, amazing thing. When they get to space, it makes an interesting point about how kind of thing, you know, things in the universe might be the same on Earth, you know. You still right. have, you, you still want to get out there and do your thing. You still have the overbearing parents. But it really doesn't feel fleshed out. And so mm-hmm. the third act really doesn't work for me. Those first two acts, I think, are incredible. Well, the way they build it up, too. I mean, you could tell there's got to be stuff sitting somewhere on the floor because... Oh, yeah. We've never seen it. I don't know if we ever will. The way the two-thirds of this film build up, you're really waiting for something kind of epic and cool. And then they get there, and it just seems odd. Like, it's a completely different movie. They're going through these odd you know, environments and that, and I know they were trying to set up as an alien, but still, it just, it felt, uh, yeah, not complete, like they were just throwing ideas out there to try to get it done. Uh, On on a positive note, though, I do like the cast in here, not only do you have Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix, but the parents as well, you've got uh, a young James Cromwell Wolfgang's parents, Uh, dad. Who would later become Zephyrin Cochran? Yes, Yes. (laughs) and he was—he was basically playing another nerd because the year before he was in Revenge of the Nerds as the dad, and he was basically—he was basically like if you could imagine like a German version of that character. That's who Mm -hmm. James Cromwell was. And and we mentioned Dick Miller already, but there was also Meshach Taylor in here for those who watched uh, uh, um, Designing Women who was on for a long time. He was the cop in here. And I, I, I love that, too. That was also felt something that wasn't quite completed. Like, uh, I think it was Glenn mentioned or whatever, with Dick Miller's character, it felt like they started something with that, but never went too far with it outside of a off comment, you know, way about... Way to go, kid. Uh, yeah, way to go, kid, and dream. And that was it. It, like, dropped there. And you're like, it seemed like there was more with the cops there as well. Um, you know, with that, and it felt like they wanted to do more with the police as well, uh, that they didn't. So, and then those alien designs, uh, in all honesty, when I was younger, this film kind of scared me a little. <laughs> those aliens were, were just a bit creepy and slimy. And <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you know, who's that? Uh, Robert Picardo in here. Another Star Trek link. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> Are there the Star Trek links in here? You got Robert Picardo in here who did, uh, I think he did the voice for... for Rock. Yes. Uh, he did the voice for that, and I thought he did phenomenal. But he also plays another role in here, and it's a film I would have loved to see played out. <laughs> oh, God. Starkiller. Star Killer. Now, Starkiller is the cheesy 50s throwback film that plays on the screen and on the TV and everywhere. And Picardo plays Starkiller. Who here wanted to see Starkiller be a full movie? Yeah, Starkiller. Starkiller was my type of film all over the place. I mean, because let, well, let's face it, I do an entire freaking show on YouTube and Vimeo that basically says Starkiller is my type of film. Because <laughs> I love Space Hunter, I love Metal Storm, I love all those <laughs> Battle Beyond the Stars and stuff. And then they say that it's also got nudity in it, which I was a fan of. You know, <laughs> that was a great line. She's got. It, it, does she get naked in it? Well, yeah, but she's got three navels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which again leads to Don's uh, uh, you know, <laughs> talking about how this whole thing is so geared towards boys. It, it's crazy, uh, even more so than the other films that we talked about in here. I mean, uh, and, and you also have those standard '80s kids movie themes. You've got the the kid with the broken household. You, you know, you got the, the kid with the crazy parents. You got the bullying. You got the nerd thing going on. You know, you got Darren, who's kind of the mysterious kid who helps protect the other kids, but no one's really know what to make of him. You know, he, he's the guy with the motorbike, and he works at... I mean, you've got all these really classic kind of cliche 80s kids tropes in here, don't you, uh, to go along with this? Uh, wouldn't you say, Paul, that uh, you do have all those basic themes? <laughs> yes, definitely. And and I and I have to be honest, the reason why I was probably protesting a little bit too much was I did have a crush on the um, Amanda, uh, Amanda Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, I was kind of creepy, I guess, back in the day, too. <laughs> Paul, Paul was the boy. Paul was Having boy. a crush is one thing. Floating outside someone's window is something that would be different. <laughs> Apparently, River now Phoenix. Now I can make that hair doll. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, River Phoenix did have a, a, a kind of a, a minor crush on her, and kind of was upset when Ethan Hawke actually, you know, she was interested in Ethan Hawke. So yeah, you kind of got that vibe. Yeah. Uh, again, a, no, a number of those things in here that my God, he, my God, in, in the reality bites world, River Phoenix was Ben Stiller. <laughs> <laughs> wanted Winona, she goes for Ethan. Son of a yeah. bitch, that history. Really? Well, it's just interesting. Here we've got Joe Dante who did Gremlins, Piranha, Howling, Rock and Roll High School, you know, and he does Explorers, and it, I can, now that you mentioned that it got taken away from him, that it, that explains so much with this movie, because it, it seems like it could have been more and better, and it, it was decent, but I just remember it being that really bizarre, weird kids sci-fi film. You, you know, out, out of all the ones that came out that are geared towards children, this one really was out there and different and not the greatest, but I liked it because of the Thunder Road, in yeah. all honesty. I loved it because of Thunder Road. You do have ILM special effects in here, doing with the, uh, and the whole ball thing was really cool. And who wanted that computer? That super computer that ran off a nine volt battery. Yes. Brad, Brad, you know you wanted. 
<laughs> that field is only powered with this. <laughs> Just that look in Darren's eyes, like, yeah, let's kick that up to 12 volts, get your car battery, man. We'll get that done. At least one, if not two, car batteries. <laughs> I, wow. I just, yeah. A, a computer at that point in time being powered by a 9-volt battery. I'm like, is that going to, the future is here. <laughs> they, they make a comment about that, though, uh, where they, I mean, where they, where they, where he says, you know, yeah, I put the stuff in there, but it's not going to work. I mean, you'd have to get a way more powerful computer. And then all of a sudden, the readouts start coming up. Yeah. Planned like that, like yeah, we're e- even, even, even stupid little you. We can run this. <laughs> once you know, man. Once Xbox happens, you can take over the universe. <laughs> man, can you ma- imagine what you could design with an Xbox based off of you know? <laughs> your super, you could I, I keep thinking of Iron Sky. Yes. Ah. <laughs> Getting a slapping in the cell phone into that ancient Nazi technology. It's like, oh, now we can take over the world. <laughs> well, you know, and he drops the one line. Ah, oh, the computer only has 128k, but that should be enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy, I, my phone would like uh, bl- not even blink, and you could design the the sphere from the aliens. So but God, you know, like at that point in time, the Commodore 64 was, was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was 64 K. And then they came out with a Commodore 128 and everybody's yeah. like, Oh my God, what am I going to do with all this power? Two megahertz. They turned off the graphics. <laughs> and and right now I'm sitting next to a you know a, a dual core Pentium you know that would just totally bury that thing. <laughs> so you imagine. So imagine you could go visit the TV aliens up in space. Uh, you know, with your computer, <laughs> with your phone. <laughs> just, just I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get my thing working here so I can go see the girl with the big cheeks. Because <laughs> I mean, let's face it. It it ain't happening for me down well, here. So. <laughs> Again, that that brings it, Don. I this is why you're awesome because <laughs> you mentioned that, and then you've got that whole thing with Wolfgang. He can't get a girl on Earth, but by God, he can get himself an alien woman. How many times did we see that in the eighties? <laughs> yep. He's like a young a James T. Kirk. It is a total boy adolescent fantasy. It really yeah. is. It is. I and I don't say that disparagingly, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it, it is. I mean, just in the in the same way that uh, uh, as I well as I mentioned earlier, true romance would be the R rated yeah. adolescent fantasy. Uh-huh. One thing was, too. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was just gonna say it was good for people like me because I was kind of a geek back in the day. <laughs> I wasn't the pretty guy. I wasn't the guy that was like like the guy that rode the motorcycle. That could have been me. Uh, yeah, it would have been an alien with big cheeks that talk like Marilyn Monroe, but <laughs> still, I had a chance, right? Again, right. Here, That's here, me here, now. Here's a prime <laughs> example of culture affecting TV, uh, TV uh, affecting uh, pop culture, though, because here you have a film, and a number of these films, like Don mentioned, are are geared towards boys because they're sci-fi, because back then, I mean, we all growing up during that time, Back then, at least in the media, we knew it, but in the media coming at you, they didn't equate sci-fi girls into sci-fi. If you had a girl who was into sci-fi, into something other than the traditional 
quote-unquote girl things, which I think is wrong, but it, back then, the mentality of the media providers is that, oh, we have to gear these towards the young boys because they're the only ones that would be interested in a spaceship flying. Well, that mm -hmm. still happens today. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, Young Justice, um, one, of my, one of my new favorite cartoons... Um, did very well ratings-wise, but they found out in the ratings that it was starting to skew more towards girls, and girls don't buy the toys, so they pulled the plug on it. Oh, so, I mean, th that still happens to this day. It does. Uh, it does. I mean, they uh, uh, they found out uh, the where you mentioned video games or earlier with uh, Last Starfighter. They found that uh, what the, what's the figure I said that like half? They said something like half of uh, video game players are women. Right. Look at the games out there; they're not geared towards women. And in fact, when they started having journalists come out there, you had women being horribly attacked by mm -hmm. uh, people by people there. It's still, and, it's still going on. It's still going and, on. And mm -hmm. in the eighties especially and in the eighties especially and then of course naturally before that as well, it was very hard to find any film, especially any film that was based in like adventure or anything like that, where the girl where the woman in the film wasn't there to be either at least partially or completely the girlfriend. Right. You know, that's all she was, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have Kroll, you know, she <laughs> well, why was why was why was there a woman in Kroll? Well, because they needed somebody to rescue. Legend. You know. Yeah. Legend, yeah. So yeah. like Um Now, but you could argue that well, with the fantasy movies, you could argue Labyrinth because uh, yeah. she was very True. strong, and the never-ending story, the girl was the princess. Yes, she Queen was. Don't right. forget Alien. And don't she forget was, but, but, but I really think that these were, but I thought feel that these were anomalies, and I think we remember them because they were so out of the ordinary as well, mm -hmm. weren't they? Well, uh, you know, in Labyrinth, she was the inept babysitter. <laughs> she was yeah. the daughter. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean... That it, was a creepy movie, though. It's a bit well that cod piece alone that David Bowie's wearing is <laughs> freaking criminal. But yeah, they didn't really have a lot of young sci-fi movies that were more female themed. But there are two, and even you still get it today. It, this is funny. We're talking about films 30 years ago, and you look at the themes in here and the things that weren't addressed, and it's still happening today, including anti-intellectualism. Oh yeah, it is huge in the '80s, and you still see it today in these films, especially especially Last Starfighters and Explorers. Last Starfighter, you've got Alex being razzed because he wants to go to something other than city college, than community college. Here in Explorers, we have Wolfgang severely picked on. Guy's brilliant, and he's the nerd. He's the you know, and anybody else is afraid to show that they know stuff. Because they're going to get picked on by the Steve Jackson gang. I used to see that. I used to see that quite. I used to see that quite a bit when I was and, growing up, actually. And 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 you still have that anti-intellectualism going on today in the films. You you know where that's kind of looked down upon and it's addressed, and you're looking at it going, "Wow, some things really don't change too much." <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and 
Explorers, like I said, I, I wanted to bring it up because it, it was kind of that odd film that some people forget was out there, and, and kind of good reason. It's it's not the most lovable and endearing one, but it does have a place, I think, with the special effects and the things it addresses and the fact that you got Joe Dante in it along with Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix. And uh, I just want to say that here you had uh, Jerry Goldsmith doing the music too. So you had a big name back then doing the score versus Last Starfighter, which who had Craig... Stefan, who had did a lot, but he wasn't as common of a name. Uh, but one other thing, too, is they ripped off stuff from Tron, like the sound effects <laughs> and the graphics. It felt like they went and raided Disney's special effects cash to put out there. I mean, the kids <laughs> get up. The kids step out of the spaceship, and I'm like, holy shit, they're playing Discs of Tron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Explorers, I think we all agree, is kind of that uh, odd young sci-fi film that could have been so much more and in the end is, is kind of that creepy sci-fi film out there that uh, you know it, it, it is enjoyable and you can see the appeal and for me I remembered it again because it was geared towards boys and so that's why I think it appealed to me is because for when I was growing up I mean it came out in 85 I was 10 yeah, you know, so I was I was nearly as old as as Ben, and I was into sci-fi, and he was into sci-fi, and you know, so there was that connection. Um, and then uh, I think we'll move on then to Flight of the Navigator, Disney Flight of the Navigator. Though yes. Disney didn't actually make this film, they picked it up. It was an independent film that I think Disney actually picked up. Yeah, uh, PSO Paul, did it. Yeah. yeah. Paul, uh, your initial thoughts with Flight of the Navigator? It was uh, out of the three my favorite. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, so wow. I know I know a lot, a lot of people didn't think it because it was kind of a kiddish thing, but to me it was just like uh, doing that joyride, you know, just like like first time that you were on your bicycle or first time that you got into a car and, and you got full control of where you wanted to go. And that's what this movie was like to me. So, <laughs> Scott, what did you think of uh, Flight of the Navigator? It was all right. I um, again, uh, when I was, I mean, and this is the same thing with Explorers, where when I was a kid and saw Explorers, my favorite part was that last bit because it was like, ooh, shiny. You know, everything was like, you know, it was finally we're in space. But you know, now I think that the early parts of Explorers were better. Same story here is like when I was a kid. All right, just get to the spaceship. Get to the thing. <laughs> I'm watching it again. I watched it just last night, uh, probably for the first time in, I'd say, like 10, 15 years. And I thought, you know, actually this early stuff where this kid goes missing for uh, – he's, he's knocked he's, – he falls down a, a, a little hill or something. And he's, not, and he's knocked out. Thank you, Ravine, yeah. He gets knocked out, and he wakes up eight years later. He doesn't know what it is, and suddenly he's got star charts in his brain and – that's actually more interesting to me than the stuff with the spaceship in the movie. <laughs> uh, once it got to the stuff with the spaceship, I'm like, eh, it's all right a little. And once he, even though I, even though I have great love for Pee Wee's Big Adventure, <laughs> uh, once the voice actually turned to not just Paul Rubens but Pee Wee <laughs> Herman, <laughs> took you I'm out watching, of it though. I'm watching it now. I'm like, oh. Wow, he that that's a nasty side effect. He actually turned the 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 alien intelligence 
stupid. <laughs> that was kind of the really stupid. That was kind of the feel that he took it down a few IQ notches. Uh, well, he's such like, a jerk too. I mean, he, for one thing, he's like taking, taking, and and studying all these creatures and putting them back where they go and doing all this research. Next, he's just popping his little tentacle out of the spaceship and for no reason, like making some fun of some poor poor guy for his weight. You know. <laughs> Dude, I think his name's Big Al. I think he's made peace with his weight by this time, okay? <laughs> and he's like, ah, too many Twinkies. Like, you son of. Like, wow. They are among us. And you know what? They're kind of assholes. <laughs> Don, what about you? <laughs> um, I, too, like the whole. Time travel thing, or? Yeah, well, yeah, the time travel thing. I like that it seemed like they had it figured out as to why it seemed like they had it figured out, at least the storytellers had it figured out mathematically as to why it would happen, you know, mm-hmm. light speed and all that. Um, you know, because I'm kind of a Star Trek geek, and I... <laughs> um, but I and I enjoyed that because the the math was there. Mm-hmm. And the whole process, um, and it was a very pretty shiny ship. It was it was a pretty shiny ship. I I liked the design of the ship. Uh, actually, I, I always did. And here we had liquid metal before liquid metal was cool, aka Terminator Two, uh, <laughs> with the steps of the ship. Uh, so yeah, uh, what about you, Brad? You said this was your least favorite. <laughs> um, if I had my choice between between watching this movie again and getting hit in the genitals with a baseball bat <laughs> repeatedly, I'd get, I would pick out my own Louisville slugger. Oh, it's, it's the whole 10% thing again, isn't it? God that damn it. it. Yes. Hey, I, hey, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, just to let you know, though, real, real quick. Uh, Paul, you know, you know how, uh, how I, I probably felt with the, how you feel right now? That was me with Little Witches. <laughs> okay, let's not talk about Little Witches. Anyway, Brad, getting back to hitting Sorry, yourself Brad, in the ahead. testicles. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, the, the one thing I do appreciate is the fact that they address moving faster than speed of light, mm-hmm. like like Don mentioned, and and the time differences that there would be that, you know, there's this eight years of difference in, you know, he's been gone for this period of time, but he hasn't aged, you know? Um, Okay. I'll give you that. That's kudos to you. But (laughs) the 10% to this day, and even now that I'm older, it, it, it riles. I mean, that's, that, that was my, one of my biggest criticisms of Lucy is the whole perpetuation of the 10% BS that doesn't exist. Um, but I, I didn't, I don't like, I didn't like the character. I didn't like, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like David. Um, and <sighs> he's not exactly, he's not exactly out of all the movies I will say that we watched for your lead young male, he is probably the least charismatic out of yeah. all of them. So I um, can see that. Which is and why the other thing too. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too is. Um, all the flying. It, mm-hmm. To me, out of the other films, there was. It felt like there was more more plot. There was more done on the front end in character development, and you actually come to care about the characters. 
and and the effects were add-ons. Mm-hmm. But to me, the flight of the navigator, they really went, you know, balls to the wall in the flight. You know, yeah. that mm-hmm. there's a lot of flying around and all that, and and I just kind of the whole. The whole nutshell to me, it's just like, God, I, I, I wanted the movie to end. It was an hour and a half of you my know, life I will never get back. And, and, uh, and to expand on that, what really bothered me was they get lost. He can go back in time and drop each and every animal out to the minute they, they were taken. But he can't find Florida? well that and you know david could be vaporized if he's taken back to his point in time what really (laughs) i i call horse shit on that (laughs) about 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 the florida thing though he kind of he mentions he mentions that um he he, at once he's downloaded the the star charts the only thing that he remembers is what david can remember right david didn't know how to get back they, they try to explain that away. Yeah, I know and, it was it was a cheap cheap explanation. It, I, it's that I, section on that continent that looks like a big jutting penis. Yeah, <laughs> really. You got a D in geography or something. So and, you and, know. And if you to Florida, a lot of the people behave like that too. <laughs> so I live there right now, pot people. Yeah. So. so I mean, I you know I I just. Yeah. Nothing to me really mm-hmm. made me happy that I watched this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting that you say that, Brad. Uh, for me, I enjoyed it. Again, here we have a, a kid who's exactly the same age I was when he was, you know, so I had that connection with him, and I wanted to fly a spaceship. I loved the spaceship. Uh, what is interesting about this spaceship, this movie compared to the last Starfighter, shows you where they went in two years, though, with special effects. If you look at these two films, I mean, the the, the Starfighter, the, the the in Flight of the Navigator ship is pretty freaking cool by itself. It lets you know. Forget about the story for a minute, though. You got Howard Hessman in here as as Louis Faraday, the scientist. <laughs> <laughs> like. Wow, whose parents were cruel. But that spaceship <laughs> was cool. That that design, that idea of the liquid uh, type of taking its own shape in that, that was kind of the first time you saw something like that in a film. But the special effects for that were pretty cool. Uh, and, but one of the things I thought, too, is it felt like they had the lease wasn't quite up yet on the set of Daryl. So they had to find some other use for it. So they did not feel like they were on the Daryl set for when uh, when he was David was uh, trapped in there with Sarah Jessica Parker, a young yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker. It felt like Daryl so much in that. <laughs> Complete yeah, well, the one. Because they've, they've got him hooked up and he's like doing computer readouts. I got a Daryl flashback too. Yeah, absolutely. And then he, they've got the lunch cart robot. I'm like, holy crap! Am I watching Daryl here or what? Ralph. You, you know. But here's something I want to throw out to you guys, uh, and, and the reason I left this to last is because there really isn't a huge amount to talk about this film. What I will say, because, compared to the other films, but what I will say with this film, and it's something that I noticed, with him starting at 78 and going to 84, uh, 86, uh, would you say that maybe they made this film as a wink, nudge, poke fun at pop culture. Because look at the sheer volume of pop culture references that are made 
from when David was in 78 to when he shows up. You've got the Coke joke. You've got him looking at MTV going, what the hell am I looking at? In all honesty, this felt under the surface like Disney making a statement of how odd and strange our pop culture has as well as consumerism. Am I off on that? I mean, uh, Paul, what would you say? Uh, yeah, that actually, now that you brought that up, I, I would notice that. Yes, definitely. I would agree with you. I mean, because he points out they have a remote control TV. Yeah. And look when he gets in that room, all the shit that he's given that yeah. he's like. I comments, on twisted sister. <laughs> comments on Twisted Sister. Comments on Twisted Sister. Don, would you say that maybe Disney was trying to kind of make a statement about the current culture of children? Either Disney or what was the company? PSO? Uh, PSO, oh, produ yeah. Producer yeah. Sales Organization. It yeah, was that it was. Because yeah, Disney's like the temple of pop culture crap. Oh, yeah. Mm. But. Would you say, Don, that that's a statement maybe they were trying to make? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, I mean, even with the Big Al t-shirt, he makes an E.T. joke <laughs> of, oh, he's, you know, he's trying to phone home. And the, the guard is reading Gorky Park. <laughs> he's reading the book Gorky Park, and it's specifically in shot. You know, for me, there's just so many pop culture references, and the fact that he was 78 to you know, to the t current time made me feel like there was that statement that look at how crazy we've come in only this amount of time. Whether or not that's good or bad, I'm not sure. I kind of got the vibe they were almost saying it was bad. Uh, well, you know, I, and I don't know, maybe some of you guys would agree, would disagree with this, but I think they, because uh, it's said that, you know, this is not his time. He belongs back in 1978, and his his favorite bands seem to be the Bee Gees and the Beach Boys. So, yeah, your 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 taste in music is terrible, David. Yeah, you belong back in 1978. <laughs> you know, to me, to me, the message was pop culture grounds us in time. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, if we are all at around the same age, we are all capable of making certain pop culture references and we'll go, oh yeah, now I go to work and I work with people that are like, you know, 20, 25 years younger than me. Not a big deal, but occasionally I'll, I'll throw something out that, you know, y'all would get, but they just look at me like, who are you, old man? Where did you come from? Earlier, earlier tonight, I was taking the niece and nephew home and I was commenting on something that I had mentioned to my folks before is that I said, Ma, you don't get it. The, the, the kids back there, because they're spouting off all like the little chat things they've done, all the computer things they've done, and my mom's kind of lost. I said, Ma, you forget it. it. All these people are trying to figure out what's the next movie or TV show that we can hook kids with, and kids today don't care about that. They don't care about movies or TV shows. They care about Vines, mm -hmm. about YouTube videos. It's a completely different era where if, and it sounds like, it sound, even though I have a web series, it still sounds like gibberish to me when a lot of them talk. It's we. I think you're on the right track there, Brad. Absolutely. And of course, this is of course what 30 years after Flight of the Navigator, and David yeah. was just dealing with eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the fact that you know, and I hate to sound like the old curmudgeon, but I mean, I do 
I keep up with stuff in you know in comics and pop culture and whatnot, so I'm not left behind right. on the majority of stuff. But if you just you know, and I think that's the thing that the film points out. You're gone for eight years. If you were to, you know, say, you know, go go to uh, Tibet and and you know, live as yeah. a monk and just totally <laughs> remove yourself from everything, and then come back, everything would be so foreign to you in in a in an eight year span or whatever, because you are no longer connected to the conversation that you know everybody in your peer group or whatever is is having you would feel completely lost mm. in addition to that though he was like from 12 to 20 so he lost his entire teenage years yeah. i think that's important as well well yeah cuz he didn't he didn't grow up during the time of of the developing pop culture that affects you the most when you're a teenager teenagers yeah. that teenagers are affected they're the core demographic for that pop culture growth and affected and he was kind of the the guy out of time, so to speak, and he didn't like it. It was actually scary for him, even. I mean, watching the music video, and what's funny is seeing the music videos through his eyes. It, uh, growing up in the '80s, I'm like, yeah, that's a normal '80s video, but thinking of it through his eyes, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see where that would be pretty doggone creepy, you know. <laughs> With no, the eyes, I- oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. The guy's limbs bending, you know, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and. Well, uh, but anyway. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker is still creepy to me. So. <laughs> and you look at, even more currently, like the Captain America story. Mm-hmm. You know, and how he's completely jarred. You know, he was locked in ice for, you know, 70 years. You had that, that, that person out of time, and that's that's kind of a really, a very scary thing to, to have the rest of the world move on without you. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and losing that, that grounding factor of, you know, uh, of not being a part of the conversation that everybody else is. It's like everybody's in on a joke, and you have no idea what's going on. Right. Um, and, you and, feel, even, and you feel the fool for it. And, and even that, that, that doesn't have Aaron Gray to look at to make him feel better. <laughs> and, and even more than just pop culture, language changes, word meanings yeah. change. Mm-hmm. Uh, think how how long ago was it that the term postal oh. became yeah. a thing? Uh-huh. It, back in the eighties, that wasn't that postal. What what are you sending things by post? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> no. Or how about that? Or how about that? Today, geek is actually kind of an affectionate term. Back in the '70s and even the '80s, it was yeah. an insult. Yeah. It was usually, well, yeah. And freaks and geeks. That's that go a little bit further back than that, uh, referring to Captain America. And you're talking uh, carnival folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Bites the heads off of chickens. That's what a geek does. <laughs> Uh, which is not what we do now. We talk about movies. Uh, but occasionally I do get a hankering for some KFC, but I prefer my chicken KFC. heads. Chicken heads cooked. So, And what's funny, too, I loved, for me, like you said, with the references to, and everybody made great points, I just put a sign, and 
the statement about Coke was hilarious. Do you want Coke new Coke? Because that wasn't even a joke to everybody back then. We were all like, how many versions of Coke are you going to have? And they had a Coke Classic can, which I remember that Coke Classic did t- taste different than new Coke. New Coke was like a Pepsi ripoff. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and, 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 and what even a what, – what, how good at her job can she be? Seriously, who is going to say I want a new Coke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she moves to New York and gets some friends and has a TV show. So, uh, <laughs> but Flight of the Navigator, yeah, I think out of all of these films is probably the shallowest of the films as far as story and plot goes. I mean, if you look at it, it pretty much is a kid joyride in in a spaceship. Um, you know, especially after he downloaded it, it just becomes really more of a joke after joke type of thing than going anywhere with the story. <laughs> and unfortunately, he gets the brains, you know, he gets the star charts in that within like the after the first 30 minutes. Uh, now, I do give him props, too, of having the practical effects for the aliens. Who didn't want a little puffer in for yes. his backpack? You know, the little alien that hangs on your finger. Come on. The, we all uh, love that. Well, I mean, we were talking about Disney things, and yeah, this did not start as Disney. It started PSO and everything, as we said, but the first part of it feels like the uh, for, well, like the opening scenes of uh, Escape to Witch Mountain, if you remember. Yeah. Yes. My friend made a statement it, about that, yeah. It feels like it's very, it's, it's very mysterious. You know, there is you're dealing with something from another world, but it's very mysterious. Like for instance, in the beginning of that movie, all you know is that there are these kids. They're on the they're on the run, yeah. uh, and and they they can hear the dogs in the background. Of course, we can't hear them, <laughs> but they have super hearing. I love those scenes from Escape to Witch Mountain, and the early scenes of this kind of had that feel. The other one was just like, let's see, okay, now let's actually see if we can get kids in the seat. Yeah, you know, and the, if you look at the old TV ads, I not I can't speak for the big trailers, but the old TV ads, a lot of them did not mention that Paul Rubens or Pee Wee Herman was anywhere in this. The alien in that had the normal voice. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the TV true. ads, and they didn't use the music from the movie in the in the ads mm-hmm. either. Uh, yeah. I because I remember going to see this with my mom, uh, back when I was like ten years old, and being and all of a sudden, you know the dogs came out from the beginning like that's odd and then when Pee Wee Herman came out as much as I love Pee Wee's Big Adventure it's like oh damn it all what the hell is this <laughs> but his name was a cigarette <laughs> Paul Mall Paul yeah Paul Mall <laughs> was how he was credited yes oh my god uh, I didn't even see that one. yeah he's credited as Paul Mall well, uh, yeah, that's like, kids, we're gonna got a great movie for you. Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we'll wrap it up here. It's getting late. Uh, but this is this was just what I had hoped for with this. Uh, I mean, these are three sci-fi films. I think we can all agree, though, that whether or not we liked them or not, kind of stood out for us for, you know, for those sci-fi films we remember during a decade that was filled with sci-fi. I mean, not only young adult, but old, old, you know, older movies, everything. I mean, sci-fi, that was like a, another 50s golden age of sci-fi for the 80s was, you know, only instead of monster films, we were getting, you know, spaceships coming down to Earth, we were all leaving 
Earth in some way, shape, or form with it. Uh, so why don't we uh, I just get a little bit of wrap-up of general thoughts in general with these three films. Uh, Brad, any final thoughts on these three films, like how they maybe defined you know, sci-fi for young kids? Oh. Um, I think that, uh, Flight of the Navigator aside, <clears throat> um, the other two films really, um, God, made it really, really cool to want to go into space. I mean, I don't think I really, and granted, I saw this a little bit after these had, had come out, but still, I mean, they really made me want to, or wish that I had had those experiences when I was, when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know? that that sense of adventure and that sense of the unknown and 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 just going you know head first into it uh and and the excitement that would come with it it, it just really um really did wonderful things i think to to the genre as as a whole and mm-hmm. uh they upped the bar um and 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 made it more of an important genre not just schlock crap <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, uh, definitely agree with that. Don, what about you? I think um, that they really encouraged a generation of kids to dream big, and and to really work towards bigger dreams than I think that they'd really thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the obvious going going to space camp, going to outer space, mm-hmm. you know. Living the dream. I, I really think it, it. the kids that were affected by these movies just really wanted to reach further than ever before. Sure, definitely. Uh, and uh, Glenn, what about you, sir? You notice I didn't say much about Flight of the Navigator because <laughs> I watched it once when I was a kid and just sure. didn't revisit it. And uh, I think I know why I did. Um, but <laughs> um, Last Starfighter is... is I think it stands out from these other ones in that it's it's one of those if you grew up in the eighties, this is this is one of those iconic films. If if you were if you like sci fi even a little bit, this is one of those mm-hmm. iconic films. I mean, yes, of course you had, you know, Empire Strikes Back and that stuff, but there was so much more that was out there and this was one of those one of those movies that was the Star Wars that still stood out and I think still stands up. I mean, obviously the effects, yes, if you show this to a, a kid today You'd be like, <laughs> um, unless of course you're a cool parent, you know, who raises your kid on this awesome stuff. But, um, but yeah, I I think that it it shows, it shows where sci-fi was when you look at where sci-fi is today. Where so much of sci-fi today is simply, it is style over substance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the '80s was kind of that. You, with the exception of like Star Wars, you didn't have the the giant budget, oh my God, special effects, you know, unless it was Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, you don't know, it yeah. wasn't happening, and it showed that you could still make a good sci-fi movie with at the time, pretty cutting edge special effects, even with the as we said, you know, the jagged lines and it's, <laughs> um, but you because you had a good story around it too, you didn't you didn't have the crutch of uh, let's just spend $300 million on effects and then just hire some hobo off the street to write a script. <laughs> everyone's just going to be looking at the pretty pictures anyway, so it doesn't matter what happens in the story. Right. So. Great. And Paul? Um, I would like to just kind of uh, add that uh, these these three movies are good uh, representation of the 80s. 
uh, and about wanting to leave the, the Earth because of the space shuttle. Remember, um, mm -hmm. th it was big in the eighties. I mean, th that's when it really started to take off, mm -hmm. and I think everyone everyone was excited about the space shuttle. It's like, okay, this is this is our thing. We've got a re we've got an actual spaceship that yeah. can go up into space and come back. And so I think kids kids were interested in that, and I think that's why they made these movies, and and. I think nowadays we don't see that because, you know, the the space shuttle is not around anymore. And mm -hmm. I don't think there'll be as much interest about going into space as we did back in the 80s. So it's a shame, but... Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, well, and in, in, like, in Explorers, he actually puts a little little yeah. hood ornament that's the shuttle. Shuttle, you yeah. Know? And when you're a kid, you see that, you're like, that's the shuttle. I love the shuttle. You I, I, I even had a model of the shuttle. I, yeah. I built it, and it was it was really neat. I remember that now. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah. The, the space, <laughs> that, now that you mentioned it, yeah, the space shuttle was huge back then. Uh, uh, definitely had an effect on us as kids. And uh, Scott, your final thoughts with these three films? I'm really glad that Paul mentioned the uh, space shuttle, because I was going to mention it, too. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, as a kid, I was always looking up into the stars. I, I'm a space exploration is just incredible to me. I love uh, whenever I want to feel close to my God, my creator, whatever force put me here. I look up at the stars and just feel that sense of awe. And a lot of these films did that, and they told you that as, as anonymous as you were, you could do that, especially the first two films uh, that we discussed, Last Starfighter and Explorers. And we got a lot of that, and he's absolutely dead on right about the space shuttle and everything. Keep in mind that if you notice, there was Flight of the Navigator and Space Camp and stuff in 86, and then after that there was nothing, because these films were already complete when in January of 86 we had the Challenger disaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that cannot it can't be overstated. That destroyed the that innocence of a of a lot of people. P oh, I, I still have the I still have vivid memories of just a teacher just coming into the schoolroom, you know, and this we were one of the few schoolrooms that wasn't actually watching it live, uh, and just white faced and said the the challenger went down and no one could speak the rest of the day. It destroyed a lot of people's uh, <clears throat> a lot of people's innocence, including mine, something that I don't feel like I ever got back until we started seeing uh, the photos from Mars in right. the mid nineties. Sure. That reinvigorated. So if you notice, a lot of these films that were trying to be Spielberg and stuff, they would venture in explicitly into the stars, and then after '86, you really saw that peter out mm -hmm. a lot because the wounds were just too damn fresh. Oh, but you yeah. know what? It's a sign that it continues to resurface, even though, tragically, we've had also uh, other uh, space disasters since then. Of course, now NASA's just in trouble because it's got idiots in charge of its budget and <laughs> everything. But, uh, the, but uh, you know, you can... It, it, it says... It, it, these are films that says it's not foolish to look into the stars. It's not foolish to think mm -hmm. that just picked on in school, or you're stuck in a trailer park, or you don't know how to talk to uh, the people you're interested in, or you don't know where you're going in life, you can do amazing things. And these films really uh, put that home towards a lot of younger people, which is what they were uh, aimed at back in the day. And I think that uh, 
that's why the films of this period were so important is because they represented a time when you could dream big and we didn't have that uh, innocence shattered yet. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because, yeah, I remember that when the, when the, when it blew up. I, we all thought it was kind of a joke. We're like, yeah, right, yeah. you know, because there had been so many great launches with the shuttle it was considered safe. So I think that's what helped influence these movies was at that time, space travel was safe with the shuttle. And so you could dream and it wasn't scary anymore to think of that. I mean, we're not talking about the fifties where we had the, uh, you know, where the spaceship went up the highest anyone ever had. And he came back with a bacteria and turned into a mutant. You know, <laughs> yeah. You, you didn't have those type of films so much as you had people going into space in a positive manner. You, you wanted right. to go into space. And then that happened. And yeah, you're right. The, the films did change. Uh, it was yeah. it, 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 it absolutely just... changed the entire culture. It changed everything. It changed everybody's. It changed our souls in a way. <laughs> well, it was also look at the eighties, and the eighties. Despite the fact that you know some people you know look back and say you know Reagan was the worst person to ever live. <laughs> if you look at national pride, I mean yeah. the eighties. That that is we had a lot. You, yeah, you you don't get higher as far as national pride goes than the nineteen eighties. Oh yeah, and and when the when you know we it was to to use a phrase I hate winning. Yeah, the U.S. was winning. <laughs> yeah, we were we were you know the the fact is is that in those days, any anyone who was our enemy was scared shitless of us. Yeah, and anyone who was our ally respected us, and everyone who lived here was like. I got no job, but hell yeah, America! You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, the shuttle going down was that was that first slap of the fuck. It's not a perfect world. Yeah, mm. yeah, you, you did have that kind of reality check with it up until then. Yeah, there was a lot. Patriotism was huge back then, uh, in, in the eighties especially. I mean, you know, then you, you got movies like Red Dawn, uh, <laughs> which which is a complete fantasy film. Complete uh, fantasy, and when and yet, whenever I'm watching it, I I buy it, and then yeah. of course I want to slap my, and then of course I want to slap the shit out of myself afterwards. So like this is the dumbest fucking movie ever, but I still, it it if a movie can convince you of something, it can it can do it really well. Yeah. So <laughs> if it's, uh, it depends on how how well it sells it. So I hope this had uh, our listeners got them interested in these films. If you haven't seen them before, they are available on various sources out there, either video on demand, Netflix, uh, rental. So I hope you all check them out. Uh, make sure you check out the forum now we have on uh, Special Mark Productions. We have a forum for a thread there for the spoiler room. Please leave your comments, suggestions, what you thought of episodes. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Let's go real quick now uh, down the road, folks. Uh, Brad, go ahead first. Uh, your stuff, sir. Uh, galacticnetcasts.com uh, We talk about science, entertainment. Uh, we've got a couple of different shows, The Alien Invasion and Sci-Fi Geeks Club, where we actually interview people that are in the know in uh, in this world of sci-fi. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, galacticnetcasts.com Awesome. Don? Oh, hi. Hello. In the audience. Hello. In the audience. Yes, uh, a great movie blog as well. And uh, Glenn, go ahead. You can find me. Uh, best ways to follow me on Twitter, uh, at Naked Hobo. You can find me on YouTube, Naked Hobo Productions. 
as well as on Facebook, Naked Local Productions, and check out my reviews on the B-Movie Bunker. Awesome. And Paul? Uh, <clears throat> ForsakenFilmReviews.wordpress.com. You can watch me eat milk duds. <laughs> <laughs> Scott? <laughs> And you can find me on moviocrity.com. That's M-O-V-I-O-C-R-I-T-Y.com. Uh, it's where you'll see me post episodes of my web series. I post a lot of reviews. I um, just uh, started up a, uh, a uh, series that with a companion series to be done by Jesse Hoheisel where I'm looking at all the movies uh, from 35 years ago on the corresponding weekend. Uh, that they're happening. It's called Glory of the 80s. I'm doing that. And you can find all sorts of stuff like that at moviocrity.com. Awesome. And you can find uh, links to these fine folks and my stuff as well on my YouTube channel on We Live Film and our podcasts of previous episodes, not only uh, on uh, specialmarkproductions.com. We've got everything there, it said, including the forum. And if I didn't mention it before, we had uh, the privilege, the honor, I had to talk to Catherine Mary Stewart, once again, Maggie, from Last Starfighter. That's its own episode. Please check that out. Give some love to that episode. It was great. She was fan just a, a great person to interview. It was a fun time. I, I got to checkmark something off my bucket list uh, because I got to finally meet uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, who is just, you know, Last Starfighter is my all-time favorite movie like that and to meet her and get to talk to her about the film and just her career in general was a blast so please check that episode out uh, make sure you check out all these other people's fine material and if you're curious my stuff as well we appreciate you listening to us talk about uh, these three films and as always in the spoiler room remember uh, the conversation is fresh but the films are definitely spoiled <laughs> <laughs>